We would like to acknowledge the Ngunnawal and Ngambri people who are the traditional custodians of the land on which Wirroni is created. We pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. We acknowledge that the name Wirroni was taken from the Wadi Wadi Nation without permission and we are striving to do better for future reconciliation. Hi everybody, welcome back to the Space Space and welcome back from the Midsome Break. My name is Annika. And I'm Brad and we're sorry about what you may or may not have just heard. Yeah. <laughs> Technology <laughs> is just wonderful. Anyway, let's get on to some astronomy news. Uh, remember week six we were talking about Artemis 1? Um, Artemis 1. The, um, the rocket that was going to go to the moon. I forgot it was called that. Yeah, it's called Artemis 1. That's cool. Yeah. So um, that didn't launch. Oh, rip. Yeah. So we have a new launch date for Artemis 1 <laughs> after the first cancellation due to an engine bleed on the 29th of August. I think that's the one I mentioned. And a second cancellation on the 4th of September due to a hydrogen fuel leak. Ah. Yeah. The new date is set for Wednesday, the 28th of September, so next week, oh. at 1.37 a.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time. Ooh. If it misses that launch date, NASA is investigating October the 2nd as a potential backup, but it's likely that the next solid opportunity to launch won't be until mid-October. Jeez. Yeah. Yeah, they're really delaying this. What's going yeah. on? Well, basically, we have issues with the fuel, which is hydrogen. So hydrogen is the choice fuel of a lot of shuttles, mostly because it's extremely efficient, giving the most thrust for the mass you have. But <laughs> there are some drawbacks. Um, another similarly well-performing fuel is liquid oxygen, and both oxygen and hydrogen are used by the Space Launch System, or the SLS, which is supposed to launch Artemis into space. Both of them, uh, the oxygen and hydrogen, we need to cool to less than 200, negative 250 degrees Celsius. But even in liquid form, hydrogen is not very dense. So that means that the hydrogen tank has to be a lot bigger than the oxygen tank in order to carry as much oxygen as we have. Um, sorry, as much hydrogen as we have oxygen. Ah, okay. So they're having trouble fitting stuff into the box. Not the, quite. The, not that, the box. That, <laughs> That is one drawback, but actually the main issue is that we're working with cryogenic conditions here, so stuff oh, okay. at really cold temperatures, yes. and hydrogen can slip through the smallest of cracks, especially when chilled under pressure, and at ultra-low temperatures, we can make materials, even metal, brittle. Ah. So, yeah, that's, what, that's what's going on right now. So you might wonder... Why aren't we using other fuel? Other fuel exists, such as liquid kerosene and oxygen. Okay. But the disadvantage of liquid kerosene is that the rocket must be fueled after being loaded with the crew and cargo. Oh. Which oh, is okay. incredibly inconvenient. Yeah, that is, yeah. It also leaves this gross film in the inside of the engine that right. needs to be cleaned before it can be reused. Oh, thank you. And given how many times we've had to relaun uh, relaunch, that would be really inefficient. Yes. Um, another option is uh, SpaceX is currently developing a mega rocket called Starship and that uses liquid methane and oxygen. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. This is promising. Methane is said to give an even better performance than kerosene and doesn't leave the engine dirty. Ah. But unfortunately, with Artemis's one, uh, Artemis 1's budget, especially since we keep relaunching and it's quite late, hydrogen will have to do for now. Uh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but fingers crossed for next Wednesday. Yes, we'll... we'll See you next Wednesday. That's it. Bye-bye. <laughs> <Yeah>. bye. <laughs> <laughs> now, some more, ex uh, some more exciting news in astrogeology. Astrogeology. Wait, yeah. let me think. Yeah. Uh, rocks but in space. Yep. Space rocks yep. from the moon and Not other places. Not necessarily the moon. Yeah. Yes. Other places as well. So NASA's InSight launcher has 
heard and detected the vibrations of four space rocks as they slammed into Mars over the past two years. Ooh. Not only are these the first impacts detected by the spacecraft's seismometer since InSight touched down on the Red Planet in 2018, it also marks the first time seismic and acoustic waves from an impact have been detected on Mars. Oh. Yeah. Wait, space rocks. Space rocks. Are they different to meteors or meteorites? Ah, Are they the same thing? Let's clarify that one because I think that people get a little bit confused about all the different types of space rocks we can get. So an asteroid, to start off with, is a large chunk of rock left over from collisions or the early solar system. There's a a belt of asteroids between Mars and Jupiter called the asteroid belt. (laughs) 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 And that's where you might find most of them in our solar system. That's such a cool word, though, asteroid. It is, isn't it? Nice word. Yeah, sorry. A comet is a rocket covered in... Not a rocket. A rock covered in ice. Methane and other compounds. I see. Okay, right. So their orbits take them much further out of the solar Ah, system. And they're the ones that burn up in those nice little tails because of their composition. I see. Okay, okay, right. Makes sense. Actually, a photo of a comet just won... um, some astro- astronomy photography competition recently. I saw the image. It's gorgeous. What's the thing called? I'm going I'm to look it up. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> astronomy. I just saw that photo- like this morning in passing. Photography. So. Yeah. Prize. Mm-hmm. Prize. Basically, for anybody who doesn't want to look oh. it up, it's just this gigantic blue comet. Which looks really stunning. Brad, did you find it? I did find it. Yeah. But here it is. Yeah. Is it this one? Yeah, that's it. That's so nice. Oh, wow. Um, I'm looking at an article by the BBC right now, and it's titled Astronomy uh, Photographer of the Year, Once in a Lifetime Picture of the Comet Wins Award. If you want to find that for yourselves. Yeah. It's a very nice photo. Look at that. Yeah. Astronomy's full of pretty pictures. Well, how do they even get that? I have no they, they idea. Just, they just like really zoom. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, they would have had to use telescopes and that sort of thing as well. That's really cool. It's like through their phone. No, no. <laughs> that's, okay. that's, that's, how, uh, that's how all astronomy photographs are taken. <laughs> I mean, you can take some pretty good photos with your phone if you've got one that will allow you to set it up so that you can um, extend the exposure time. Ah. Like, um, I know on iPhones, the recent ones, you can um, set it so that the exposure time is 10 seconds. Or if you balance your phone somewhere and the phone recognizes that, you can actually um, have an exposure time of 30 seconds. Oh, cool. And recently, I was on a field trip to Siding Spring Observatory up in Kunibara Bran. And um, we had a really, really clear night. And I went outside and took a few photos with my phone. And they actually turned out pretty okay. They were really nice photos. Yeah. Really I, I mean, nice I had photos. to edit it a bit to bring out some of the colors. But, you know. <coughs> <coughs> oh, dear. <coughs> I'm fine. While Brad's dying. Fine. Let me just take a drink. I choked on water before. Uh, <coughs> oh, okay. <coughs> I choked on water before started recording. Yeah. Ah, okay. We're nice. good. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. A meteor. A meteor is what astronomers call a flash of light in the atmosphere where debris burns up. Oh, okay. So yeah. that, okay, right. So that isn't actually a space rock. That's just a space rock uh, decomposing. Kind of, yeah. So when we pass by an asteroid or like a large rocky object that's maybe been hit or something like that, mm. 
then sometimes we fly through the cloud of debris that the asteroid has left behind. Ah. So that debris burns up in our atmosphere, and that's what we call meteor showers. Right. And we can actually predict when meteor showers are, and they a lot of them happen annually. Hmm. For example, I think I talked about a couple of them a few episodes ago. Space news Space from a news. couple of episodes yeah, ago. Yeah, I don't really remember. But, yeah, um, and then... Um, we call the actual debris a meteoroid. Most are so small that they okay. are vaporized in the atmosphere. Right. That's yeah. cool. Oh, right. Okay. Okay. Understood. Okay. Are yeah. there more space rocks? So at the moment we're at classifications. So if a meteoroid, so the debris makes it to Earth, then we call it a meteorite. Ah. Yeah. I see. Okay. Yeah. Okay. When it, hits, uh, when it gets to Earth, yeah. it's a meteorite. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. There's actually, it's really cool, um, like, a lot of meteorites, a lot more meteorites hit Earth than you might think. Yeah. And you can detect the ones that are, like, microns across all over the Earth at mm. any given any given time. Okay. Like, if you went and take uh, took a soil sample and you had a look at it and you found an oddly, like, really round-shaped magnetic um, rock... That's probably a meteorite. How big are they? I assume they're not very big. Well, can they be huge? They can be huge. Okay. There have been instances of rather large um, meteorites coming down and hitting Earth. Um, I remember there was some research that was going on in Western Australia mm -hmm. about that since it's so flat and open. Yes. Um, and uh, I was, uh, I think I saw something about um, a meteorite about the size of my palm. Oh, wow. Yeah, which is really cool. And Jeez. there are a bunch of different ways of um, finding these meteorites, um, including that they haven't, they're generally coated in iron or something magnetic. Okay. So you can look at it. And if you chop it in half, it kind of looks as if someone had like dipped it in chocolate. Like mm. it, there's a, the cross section has a clear crust. So if anyone's interested in meteorite hunting, go to Western Australia. Yeah. So, yeah, main takeaway meteor showers, yes, they're great. Meteorite showers, big no. Mm, yes, no. Because <laughs> no we don't gonna, want that. <laughs> yes. Most of the meteorites that hit Earth, though, are absolutely tiny. You would not notice I them see. at all. Okay, right. So we're pretty safe for now. Okay. Yeah. Cool. But let's. Uh, what Insight has done is it's detected meteorites on Mars. Right. Yes. So um, NASA released a recording of one of these Martian um, meteorite impacts with a distinctive bloop sound ringing out three times as the space rock enters the atmosphere, explodes into pieces, and hits the surface. And I have the recording here. Just give me one second. <clears throat> Again, for anyone who didn't hear that, there were three bloops. <laughs> oh, the bloops. Yeah. What do they come from? So um, what it is is that InSight has um, abilities to um, detect acoustic waves from from the surface of Mars, and then they can translate that into information so that we can find out things about um, how how far away the impacts were, how large they were, 
Um, so these ones range from about 53, oh, sorry, that's in miles, um, 85 to 290 kilometers away from the lander's position. Um, and the first of the four of them made the most dramatic entrance. That wasn't in that one there. Yeah. That's really cool. The yeah. first like bit of it sounds like you just dropped all of the pans in your kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, so this, uh, there are a lot of things to take away from this. Firstly, we're a little puzzled as to why we haven't found more meteorite impacts on Mars. Okay. Because Mars has an atmosphere about 1% of Earth's, and Earth's atmosphere means that we don't end up with a lot of large meteorites hitting us. I see. But... Mars doesn't have that, so yeah. we're confused as to why we only detected things now. Maybe you haven't looked hard enough. Maybe. Maybe you just need to look harder. Uh, maybe, I suppose. Um, these impacts also created what's called Mars quakes. So right. earthquakes, tectonic activity, yes. Mars quakes, similar thing. Uh-huh. Um, the quakes were a magnitude of no more than two, though. Okay. Yeah, but these smaller quakes provide scientists with a little glimpse into the Martian crust um, so we can learn things about about the makeup of Mars and potentially whether maybe life existed there or how the planet had evolved since uh, since it was made, essentially. That's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 Damn. Okay. I have one more thing which I will mention quickly before we get onto something fun. Um, we have discovered a baby planet. Babies. Yes. A planet yes. in the making has been discovered in a protoplanetary disk about 518 light years away. Where's the nursery? <laughs> yeah, so it is essentially a planet nursery. Yes. Yeah. Um, the discovery of the small gas planet comes out of a newly developed way of detecting newborn planets. Because what's so difficult about detecting them is that often the gas and dust around them is much brighter than it is. So we can't see it. Yes. But using computer models, we can model the um, geometry of the gas and dust and figure out where we'd expect to see a baby planet. Okay. Yeah. So that's exactly what researchers at the Harvard-Smithsonian Center for Astrophysics ah. have done, um, looking at LKCA15, which sits in the Taurus constellation. Hmm. Yeah. So this planet is said to be about one to three million years old, which sounds really old, but consider that our planet's about 4.5 yeah. million years old. Yeah. yeah. So studying baby planets help astronomers learn more about plan- how planets form, and then it helps us learn more about how our own solar system forms. That's really cool. Yeah. Finding new planets. Yeah, exactly. That's great. Now, onto something fun. I decided this week that we would talk about dark matter and dark energy. That's cool. I like that. I know nothing about any of those apart from the fact that we're trying to find them. Well, funny, because the first thing I was going to ask is, Brad, why don't you give us a definition of dark matter and dark energy? Oh, I don't know what they are. (laughs) (laughs) I just, okay, so pretty much scientists that are looking for this are essentially stubborn children. They will not give up. They 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 will force themselves to find this dark matter slash dark energy, because if they don't, then they lose. Well, I was one of those stubborn scientists. Who yeah, was you, looking, did, like, you yeah. did a research project did. on that, didn't you? Did you find any? No, we have yeah, not exactly. found any. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's Stop being not stubborn. Give up. This is like a few decades in the making, okay? Let's define what we're looking for first before you roast me. Okay, fine. (laughs) Firstly, let's look at dark energy. Basically, the story goes that in the early 90s, something was fairly certain about the expansion of the universe. It might have enough energy density to stop its expansion and recollapse, but it also might have so little energy density that it would never stop expanding. 
but we thought that gravity would certainly slow down the expansion as time went on. We found out that was wrong. The universe is expanding at an accelerating rate, and we couldn't really explain that. Um, this is called the Hubble constant, the rate right. at which um, the universe is expanding. Okay. So there was this theoretical energy that was um, that was devised to fill this gap called dark energy, which is supposed to be responsible for the expansion of the universe. Mm. Yeah. So right. So dark energy is responsible for the expansion of the universe. Yeah. Got you. Okay. As for dark matter, um, we'd done some calculations of galaxy rotation speed and observed mass shows inconsistencies would arise if there was not a bunch of invisible matter. For example, uh. imagine if you took a string with a ball attached to it and you're swinging the ball around your head. Yes. Holding one end with your hand, obviously. If you let go of the string, the ball will fly outwards. Yes. Yes. So the weight or the grip of your hand is keeping the ball sort of in orbit around your head. Yes. And you can kind of think of the string as the gravity. Okay. Yes. In a similar manner, there appears to be too little matter or not enough grip, I suppose, um, in a lot of galaxies for the speed they rotate. But the matter hasn't been flung away. Right. So it's like if you let go of the string and yes. the ball is still spinning. Yep. Ah. So uh, so scientists are saying that, oh, there must be something else there. That's God. <laughs> yeah, he's just holding all the galaxies That's together. Right. Yes. <laughs> hey, maybe God's dark uh, maybe, matter. Maybe that's what it is. Well, that's a lot of responsibility. That's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, that's a yeah. lot of responsibility. Currently, we believe the universe to be made up about 27% dark matter and 68% dark energy. But sometimes the both are cumulatively described as dark matter. So we say that dark matter makes up 85% of the universe. Right. Okay. Okay, I see. I see. So recap. Um, dark energy responsible Sorry, for... Sorry, 95%. Oh, okay. That's a lot yeah. more. <laughs> I can't do maths. <laughs> so, okay. Dark energy responsible for the expansion of the universe. Yes. Uh, dark matter. That's stuff that you can't find because... Uh, that's stuff that you can't find uh, that... Uh, the, the the string. Wait, it's holding oh. galaxies yes. together. The stuff that's holding galaxies together. Yes, right. So that's not gravity. No, because we tried that. Ah, and gravity didn't work. So. No, <laughs> not the gravity that we know. Yes. So if we assume that dark matter exists, then we know that it must barely interact with ordinary baryonic matter because otherwise we would have found it. And I just want to clarify, a baryon is just an atom with three quarks. So yes. this is our normal matter, like protons and neutrons yeah, yeah, yeah. and that sort of stuff. Protons have two up quarks and one down quark, and then um, neutrons are the opposite. They have two down quarks and one up quark. Okay. Yeah. Is this, okay, this may be a bit of a stretch, but yeah. is, can, is this related somehow to the whole alternate universe, parallel universe theory, in that this dark matter could be gravity from a different universe and a, a different kind of gravity i mean i wouldn't be surprised if someone's postulated that am i too sci-fi <laughs> <laughs> well this sort of stuff is where we get into sci-fi and it's great content for people trying to make movies yes <laughs> <laughs> so we think of dark matter as being non-baryonic so it doesn't have its three quarks okay. and it might be it might be composed of something that we haven't discovered yet so the primary candidate for dark matter is a new kind of elementary particle that's not been discovered called weakly interacting massive particles. Weak? Okay, not like weakly, but like weak. No, as, as in, in like they're weak, the interacting. Yes, so it's the, not like next week. <laughs> no, not that. <laughs> they just happen every week. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. Um, the acronym is WIMPs. Ah. We're looking for WIMPs. Ah, okay. Um, 
though axions have also drawn renewed attention due to the non-detection of WIMPs in experiments. An axion is just a hypothetical elementary particle which was created to resolve a problem in quantum chromodynamics, which we will not get into. I don't know what that is. Uh, many experience experiments to directly detect and study dark matter particles are actively undertaken, but none have yet succeeded. This was what I was a part of, actually. Um, we were looking at the direct detection of WIMPs using um, sodium iodine crystals in right. a mine in Victoria. Okay, I see. Yeah. Right. Oh, right. Yeah, you didn't actually go to Victoria for that. No, you I did not. You just got data from there, I'm and then you just... Oh, not quite. No, okay, that's, yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was working on the crystals. We were looking at radio oh, impurities okay, right. in there. I see. Because it needs to be as pure as possible so that we don't end up with false ah, positives. So you sent crystals off to Victoria. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go with that. Yeah. Already the crystals have, um, it has to be incredibly sensitive, which is why we put them down in mines. Yeah, okay. And, um, for example, one of the radio impurities... Um, so radio impurity just means anything that's radioactive might give off some energy that we might think is a signal, but actually isn't. Oh. Um, I think it was potassium-40, or was it thorium? I don't know. It was potassium-40. Um, we have a liquid veto system. So okay. if the veto lights up, then we know that it was thorium, Okay. not a, not a wimp. Oh, cool. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So we can classify dark matter as cold, warm, or hot according to its velocity. So, oh, okay. yeah, right. a wimp is cold because it moves at what we call relativistic speeds. Okay, yes, that's like at speed of light plus. Uh, sorry, non-relativistic speeds, okay, so my bad. Okay, not speed of light. Yes, <laughs> yes. So hot uh, dark matter would be moving at relativistic speeds. Okay, well, yeah. the warm? Warm's like kind of in the middle. Oh, warm's just like <laughs> anywhere that's not that. Yeah, it's like, oh, like it's quite fast. but it's not, We're yeah. not sure about this yeah. one. Uh, Look, warm. <laughs> a lot of things uh, that are happening here, we're not really sure about. Yeah, and enough. research about this has been going on for since maybe the 90s. That's a long time. Yeah. So there was an experiment that was done in Italy, actually. It was called the Dharma Libra experiment, okay. where basically they had claimed to have detected an annual modulation in WIMP signals. You told me about this, but I forgot. <laughs> um, so basically what we hypothesize is that there's kind of a dark matter halo around the galaxy. Ah. And since we're moving around the galaxy, because we're not in the middle of it, we're actually on one of the arms. Yes. Then we'd expect that the amount of dark matter that we would go through would change as the year progresses. I see. Yeah. So Ooh. they claimed that they had found this annual modulation. Everyone got really excited, but we all tried to replicate the experiment, obviously, because... Yeah. Oh, that was your, that was your project. Yes, you exactly. Were trying to, okay, that yeah. Was, yeah, I remember now. I remember. It's coming back. Yeah. <laughs> so they finished their... I think the last thing that they released was in 2018, but since they released um, the, the paper about it, I think it was in 2012 or something like that, um, no other group has been able to replicate yeah. it. No, can't do it anymore. No, and there are many different um, forms of detection. There's not just crystals, but there's also things like gas, which is what uh, I believe the Dark Matter Institute here is also looking at. I see. We yeah. have a Dark Matter Institute in you. Yeah, well, I was there. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> oh, that ma that makes sense. I don't know. Maybe Dark Matter Institute sounds really cool. Yeah. <laughs> well, 
in failing this, we also have some other theories that kind of adjust Newtonian um, mechanic, uh, okay, mechanics. Okay, right. So there's this thing called modified Newtonian dynamics, which is simply a modified version of Newton's law of universal gravity, mm. which accounts for observed properties of galaxies we mentioned earlier. However, this theory hasn't really taken off, and it has some issues accounting for things like galaxy clusters. Ah. So we don't really have a viable way of explaining um, uh, of explaining galaxies and that sort of thing without dark matter at the moment. I see. Yeah. Right. So it's just that, okay, so essentially dark matter is missing. (laughs) Yes, essentially. It's missing matter. It's the same as um, when we find an error in maths or something like that, we invent something new and then roll with it. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I have a question that's not really related. Go for it. Can you have a galaxy that's inside another galaxy? Wait. So we have to start first with the definition of a galaxy. So a galaxy has a supermassive black hole in the middle. Yes. And we call it active if it's accreting material and uh, and spinning around and that sort of thing. We can have galaxy collisions, which is actually what's going to happen to um, the Milky Way and Andromeda in about 4.5 billion years. Oh, no. We're screwed. We'll be very, very dead. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I'm not sure that we could actually have a galaxy within a galaxy because it would mean that we would have a black hole within a galaxy, which would be kind of sucking up material from the bigger galaxy and it would all be a little right. bit of okay. a mess. Yes, that's true. Follow-up question. Yes. Can you have two black holes orbiting each other? Yes, you can. <gasps> and actually, they uh, they create um, gravitational waves which we've been able to detect using um, huge detectors like LIGO. Okay. Yeah. And actually, um, those, uh, those helped us prove um, Hawking's theory of... Um, Black, uh, black hole radiation. Yes. Yep. And um, and the existence of gravitational waves and that sort of thing. That's really and cool. And we can, since we can't really see black holes that well unless they're taking in matter that we can detect, yep. then using gravitational waves to learn more about them is actually how uh, a lot of data about black holes is collected. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. We did an episode on black holes that you may or may not have listened to. I don't a couple think of weeks back. I, <laughs> I don't think it was Ed, but no, that's fine. No, I don't fine. think it was. <laughs> that's fine. But yeah, it's cool. Yeah. We should probably start wrapping up yeah, now. Yeah, it's true. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> Any final questions? Um, no. That cool. was all I had. <laughs> Great. All right. Well, we will see you all next week. Thank you for tuning in. This is The Space Space. I'm Annika. Oh, oh by the way, if you have anything that you want us to cover, maybe let us know. How will they let I us know? I don't know, but find a way to let us know. And we will try and cover it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Brad. I'm Annika. <laughs> and this was The Space Space. We'll see you next week. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>